Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, April the 19th, and uh, time once again for our weekly World Events Update with Randy. I'm uh, really looking forward to what Randy has to say as we uh, take a look at some of the updates over the last week. Uh, Certainly no shortage of fodder for us to uh, contemplate and think about. Lots of things moving very, very fast. And that's really been the theme uh, in in my mind. And I know Randy and I have talked and and others, too. I've talked to my friend Shane and other colleagues. Uh, Mark Fontecchio and I were on uh, Monday. And and the prevailing theme among those that are kind of keeping their finger on the pulse of uh, world events and Bible prophecy is just a a sense of how rapidly things are moving. Uh, now, again, we're not suggesting that this means the Lord's going to come back today or tomorrow. He certainly could. The rapture is imminent. The Bible makes that plain enough, the doctrine of imminency. Uh, however, it does mean that we should be paying attention and uh, care uh, about these things, because so many of the things that are happening around us affect what uh, what how we live and, and what how we might, uh, you know, be... Uh, uh, affected by some of these things, negatively included. So we've got news, I'm sure, from Randy about the economy, about the Russia-Ukraine alliance, or, or war rather, and the Russia-China alliance, and the Turkey-Iran-Russia alliance, and so many uh, geopolitical events that seem to be taking shape to uh, fulfill the pages of Scripture. Uh, so as we think about how quickly things are moving. I just want to remind you that uh, here at Not By Works Ministries, our uh, passion and goal is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. And that last part right there is what's really been on our hearts the last several years is just the urgency of the hour, uh, recognizing that as things uh, rapidly uh, take shape in fulfillment of Bible prophecy, uh, God's people need to be ready. And that means if you're a believer, staying close to the Lord, staying in His Word, abiding in Christ, and and so that you'll be confident uh, and uh, have peace and and comfort and knowing that no matter what the world does and what Satan does, uh, God is still in control. And that means if you're not a believer, you need to trust Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. And so we want to encourage you. I know these uh, podcasts go out to thousands of people each week. Uh, I think last week's World Events Update already in just a week has over 5,000 views, and certainly not to viral by the world's standards when, uh, you know, a video of a, of a cat, you know, eating a pancake can get, you know, 10 million views. But, uh, but uh, you know, from our small little ministry here in the tall pines uh, in the Rocky Mountains, uh, that's, uh, you know, a significant amount of people. So we just want to remind you that uh, as we take a look at current events, we're just providing some commentary and insight through uh, the lens of Scripture. We're not making predictions. Uh, we're certainly not perfect, uh, but we just take a look at news items and and uh, and say, hey, here's how this could be setting the stage for Bible prophecy. So before I bring Randy on here in a moment, just a couple of quick uh, ministry announcements, and then I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture very briefly. But uh, last night was our weekly prophecy night. At another uh, a great uh, event last night, as I talked about uh, setting the stage demonically, and we began uh, to take a look at Scripture and lay the foundation for the upsurge in uh, spiritual activity uh, that the Bible talks about will happen just prior to Christ's return. And so we did some uh, definitions of uh, different evil spirits. We talked about the Luciferian conspiracy and the spiritual aspect of that. You know, so much of my uh, ministry of late has been focusing on the human accomplices of Satan to uh, try to overthrow God and usher in the one world system. Uh, But uh, for the next few weeks on Prophecy Night, on Tuesday nights uh, at Plum Creek Chapel in Denver or the Denver area, Sedalia, we're going to be focusing on the spiritual side of that uh, conspiracy. And so last night was uh, uh, kind of a deep dive into the biblical concept of uh, Satan's kingdom and all of his uh, spiritual minions that work uh, at his behest, the demons, uh, the uh, Nephilim. We talked about the Nephilim from Genesis 6. And so I encourage you to check that out. The video has been posted, as has the audio, and uh, you can check that out from last night. I want to mention also that uh, inexplicably, we're still having trouble with Rumble. You know, Rumble has been a pretty solid uh, platform for us, for our videos, ever since we got kicked off of YouTube back during the pandemic. And, uh, and so we've been very happy with it. But for some reason, Starting this Sunday, uh, we've been unable to get our videos to process. We can upload them just fine, but they won't process. So my message from Sunday uh, uh, called Fools on Display 
We uploaded that one ultimately to YouTube, which I'm not thrilled with, but at least it's still available. And then the one from uh, last night, Prophecy Night, again, more trouble. So we had to upload that to a different platform as well. But the easiest thing for you to do to find all of our videos is rather than search for us on the different video platforms, just go to notbyworks.org. All of our videos are always posted right there on the video page. Um, which platform it's embedded from is somewhat irrelevant. Uh, I do know, though, that we have a number of Rumble subscribers who may not ever frequent our uh, ministry website. And to those of you that do watch our videos on Rumble, again, I want to apologize uh, we're still working on it. Uh, my uh, daughter, Brooke, is uh, in touch with the Rumble support team, and we're trying to figure out what's going on uh, there. Uh, but in the meantime, you can access our videos at notbyworks.org, and then click on the videos uh, tab there on the left. Uh, so uh, we will keep you posted on that. Uh, but uh, really, the, the safest thing is just think of notbyworks.org as your one-stop shop for all of our resources, all of our devotionals. Uh, you can even listen to our podcasts directly from the website, uh, and of course, the videos and other free uh, resources. You can also access our online store uh, from there. I had someone uh, email me last night after the uh, Prophecy Night and ask about our Not By Works uh, attire, our shirt, the shirt I was wearing. I don't really mention it very often. But I probably uh, should, but our good friends at Red Pill Prince uh, have uh, created a, an online store for Not By Works merchandise. Uh, you can see the banner on our website that highlights that. It's uh, several pages in. If you just scroll through the highlight carousel on our website, you'll find it. Um, but I encourage you to check that out. They've got some incredible merchandise that they've put together for us, clothing, shirts, uh, hats, cups, mugs, um, all kinds of things. And so um, if you want to uh, check that out, I encourage you to do so. And the idea is you pick up an NBW Ministries uh, merchandise, and then when you're wearing it or drinking from the uh, tumbler or the coffee mug, people say, hey, what in the world's NBW? And you can take that opportunity to tell them that it's not by works that a person is saved, but only by grace through faith. So check out the Not By Works merchandise uh, by going to either our online store, and there's a link uh, to the merchandise page from there, or just scroll through the highlight carousel. Uh, one last uh, thing, we did have a, a good podcast on Monday with uh, a friend of mine, Mark Fontecchio. encourage you to check that out. It's called Signs of the Times. Really enjoyed visiting with him. He's a, a good uh, friend and colleague up in Alaska. So uh, lots of resources out there for you, but just wanted to let you know uh, particularly about some of the more recent ones and give you a heads up about Rumble. Uh, but not to worry, all of our videos can be accessed from Not By Works. Org. Now, as I was looking at Proverbs 19, actually last night in preparation for my discussion with Randy this morning, uh, verse 3 popped off the page at me where it says, the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. You know, Sunday uh, in my message at Plum Creek Chapel, I talked about uh, the nature of foolishness uh, from the book of Proverbs and how uh, fools were on display in that uh, uh, voyage by ship that Paul had uh, that ultimately ended up being shipwrecked uh, in uh, on Malta. Uh, so I've just had fools on the mind. Of course, when you study current events and especially American politics, you're frequently going to have fools on the mind. But I've just had foolishness uh, on my mind a lot lately from a biblical perspective. And so I don't know what it was about that verse, but it, it popped off the page at me. Let me read it again. The foolishness of a man's way twists, I'm sorry, the foolishness of a man twists his way. The foolishness of a man twists his way. That's the first part of that verse. And that word foolishness is uh, an interesting word. It's used 25 times in the Old Testament, and all but two of them are in Proverbs. The other two are in Psalms. So it's a re really unique word in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And it means, the, the Hebrew word literally means to act without thinking, uh, to act without thinking things through, or to chatter thoughtlessly. It's often translated folly. If you have a New King James Bible or even an Old King James, you'll see the Proverbs frequently talking about the folly of man. But it's really to not think things through. And that's really 
what we see happening with some of the pawns in the game that are, whether wittingly or not, uh, assisting, aiding and abetting Satan in his plan to take over this world and usher in a one-world system. And let me remind you, in case you've just uh, come on board our audience uh, in the recent weeks, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear that Satan does, in fact, want to take over this world. That's not speculation. That's straight out of the pages of Scripture. I discussed that last night. If you happen to watch Prophecy Night, uh, you know, the, the basis, the biblical basis for the Luciferian conspiracy. And so there's no question that uh, Satan is using human co-conspirators, human accomplices in his effort uh, ever since he got kicked out of heaven to try to overthrow God as the sovereign creator of the universe and take his um, you know, spot on the throne. And indeed, through the Antichrist someday, he will succeed at that temporarily. For seven years, the Antichrist uh, is going to rule at Satan's behest. Uh, but of course, we know the end of the story. Uh, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will come back someday. He will uh, defeat uh, Satan at the Battle of Armageddon, cast Satan into prison for a thousand years, cast the false prophet and the Antichrist into the eternal lake of fire, and then Christ will rule and reign in perfect peace and righteousness. And then there's one more final battle prior to the eternal state between God and Satan at the end of the millennium, but Satan is, is effectively already defeated. It's just a matter of time. You know, it's, it's kind of like the way I like to think of it is in a, in a football game when one team is is up by an insurmountable amount and they get the ball back and all they have to do is run out the clock. So there might still be you know, 40 seconds and, you know, a minute and a half on the clock, but the, the team that's winning has the ball and all they have to do is continually take a knee until the clock runs out. They, they can do 40 seconds per play, but they can eventually run the clock out and, and there's no way the opposing team, the losing team will ever get the ball back. And that's exactly what we see happening in our world today. It's taking a long time. God and his sovereignty is, is patient and gracious, not willing that any should perish. He's waiting uh, for to give people ample opportunity to put their faith in Christ, His Son and our Savior. Uh, but effectively, uh, you know, the clock is just running out. You know, he, there's no chance for Satan to win. It's not a real battle. He's already lost. He was defeated at Calvary, uh, just as the Old Testament predicted he would be. And so, uh, but these fools, as they as they continue to fight, including Satan, the greatest fool of all, uh, are twisting their way. You know, they're they're fretting against the Lord, this verse says. The word fret in Hebrew means to rage. It literally means to be vexed, uh, to just, you know, be out of control almost. Um, enraged is the idea. And so that's what they're doing. And I think Satan is panicking because he sees uh, the stage being set for the coming kingdom of our Lord as well. Uh, he sees Israel has become a nation again. He sees talk of rebuilding the temple. Uh, he sees people like uh, me and other prophecy buffs out there proclaiming the soon coming of our Lord, and he's getting antsy. And so his foolishness is twisting his way, and he's causing, uh, through his deception, uh, his human agents uh, out you know, doing his bidding to also be twisted in their thinking and twisted uh, in their way. They are, you know, just as this verse says, they are acting without thinking. They're they're foolish. They're not really thinking things through. Anyone who thinks things through should recognize that they are hopeless and helpless apart from Christ. They're a sinner who needs a Savior. In simple humility and childlike faith, they need to come to Christ and receive from Him the free gift of salvation paid for by His blood. They can't earn it, and they certainly are not going to overcome God in, in their pridefulness. They're not going to be able to work their way into heaven or be good enough you know, to heaven. They're not going to be able to use transhumanism to overcome man's sin problem. So they need to simply change their mind, change their, their thinking, and come to Christ and stop uh, you know, acting without thinking things through. So as we think about what's going on in this world today, just remember, uh, God has given us the solution to these problems. He's already told us the outcome of these problems, and God is in full control. And, uh, you know, as I've said recently, uh, you know, we, we need to remember to catch God's eye up in heaven as he looks down laughing at all of these futile attempts uh, of the Luciferians to try to take over the world. They're not going to do it. So, uh, nevertheless, 
Uh, these are some hard times, and if the Lord tarries is coming, we need to heed the caution of Proverbs 22.3, which is to, when we see trouble coming, to be prepared for it. Uh, and I think the wise person is going to prepare for it. So that's part of the reason that we talk about these things, is just to uh, give you some some warning, at least from our perspective, on what's coming down the pike. So, Randy, welcome back to the program this morning. Always uh a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Not always a pleasure to hear uh, what's unfolding before us, but definitely appreciate your insights and uh, welcome back this morning. Well, good morning. And I appreciated your uh, parishioners last night, one of them calling me Mr. Doom and Glooms. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. I, Doom and Gloom. I guess I've been labeled now, which, you know, uh, whatever. I'm okay with that. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> JB. We can call you DG. How about that? Doom and Gloom. All right, we'll see. Don't, see if don't tell them that because they will. I know. You know, they uh, they have a good sense of humor like everybody does. Now, I want to preface this morning with this. We provide you information as fast as it comes available. You will get it before a lot of other people do. Sometimes it's in the rough. Sometimes I've been able to check it 10 times from Saturday, sometimes not, but I never put anything on here that I don't think is factual because we're not going down rabbit holes and going, well, that didn't work. Remember during war, it is fluid. Things happen. It changed the time, changed the dates. It will all come to fruition, but be careful what you wish for because where we're going now is going to be down some deep holes. And I just want everybody to understand that we're in it together. God's got a perfect plan for us. We may be um, suffering somewhat for our beliefs and things that we do or don't do. But understand, this journey doesn't have much time longer, much time left. So we're not going to be here long. Anyway, let's start out with UFOs. I always get a kick out of this subject. Because a year and a half ago, everybody thought you were nuts if you talked about them, and now it's mainstream. So our armed forces are going to have a meeting with a Dr. John Kirkpatrick in the next couple of days. He's going to be the sole witness in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee. He's going to give them information on this mothership that supposedly is delivering all of the demons and the pods in to our airspace. Now, I don't know if we're ever going to get to hear any of that, but I would love to hear what he has to say because understand, understand this, what we're going to be going over and what we have gone over, your government has lied to you about 95% of the stuff that has gone on since the 50s. And when we get into the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a dive into some of the social things they've done. Um, very insidious. They are very sneaky, but they've got a plan. And like we talked in Project Gateway, we understand now people are trying to get in to their inner soul. They want to go into another dimension because they're not satisfied with what they have. Okay. Then we have Project Bluebeam. Well, let, get... let me, can I back up and make a comment about the UFOs? Uh, okay. You know, I love that subject. We have a chapter on that in Spirit of the Antichrist, uh, Volume 2, and it's always uh, fascinating to me because I've been studying it. Uh, honestly, I've been interested in UFOs even before I woke up to the reality of the way the world really works about 16, 17 years ago. But uh, on that note, uh, I uh, saw an article from Politico. What's the date on this? Uh Let's see, this was April 14th, so five days ago. The headline is, Alien Mothership's Pentagon Official Floats a Theory for Unexplained Sightings. And one astronomy professor called the notions highly questionable and odd. But nevertheless, the official in charge of the Pentagon effort to investigate unexplained aerial incursions, uh, they call them UAPs, unexplained aerial phenomena, has co-authored an academic paper that presents an out-of-this-world theory. That is, recent objects could actually be alien probes from a mothership sent to study Earth. In a draft paper dated March 7th, Sean Kirkpatrick, head of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Re Resolution Office, and Harvard professor Avi Lieb teamed up to write that the objects which appear to defy all physics could be, quote, probes from an extraterrestrial 
transparent craft, unquote. So I actually mentioned this last night in Prophecy Night that, you know, the the, the world's perspective on this uh, is that these are extraterrestrial. But we know biblically that these are demonic. These are spiritual in nature, dimensional in nature. Uh, but yeah, this uh, notion uh, that, uh, you know, these things are coming from some type of, you know, pl other planet, uh, some type of, uh, you know, interstellar objects is just a uh, what they're going to be uh, promoting. You're going to hear more and more about that. And I believe it's sort of laying the foundation for the great deception that will happen after the rapture. Um, you, know, I, you know, I believe it's it's real. I think this is real spiritual incursions. And I think Satan is really sending out demonic reconnaissance missions. And I think these are real spiritual beings. Uh, I don't think it's completely fabricated. Uh, there's just too much evidence over the last 70 years. But nevertheless, I think it's also being used to prepare the way for the greatest deception after the rapture that will explain why Christians disappeared. So I just wanted to throw that in. Yes, and well, and, you know, we've talked about Project Bluebeam last week. I mean, basically, let's get into one world religion. Let's get rid of the family. Let's have one world currency, uh, government by one person for the entire world, uh, then have this alien incursion or whatever that's going to help them come into power. Now, Elon Musk, I read a couple of his things last night. He still says there's a mothership that's miles long. And I'm going, how is it that nobody sees anything that big when it's right outside of our atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. So not saying they're wrong. I'm just really interested to see what they're going to bring for evidence and what they're going to tell us now, because it's hush-hush for 70 years, then all of a sudden, here it is. And it's like, okay, we know you've got a plan. And the more they bring this up, the more it makes me believe the rapture is very close. Because I firmly believe, like you do, that they're going to use this as the excuse to bring the alien, aliens in with their one world government. And so be it, as long as I don't have to, um, you know, eat bugs because the aliens are eating my food, I'm good. <laughs> but anyway, moving right along to bugs. Uh, I was in Walmart the other day. And every time I go in there, it gets a little bit more bizarre. And uh, I think it is a good indica indication where we're going. Now, they were telling me that Walmart's getting ready to close a bunch of stores, especially in larger metropolitan areas, because the theft and the uh, burglaries, the violence and stuff doesn't make it worth their time. So they're going to pull out. Makes That makes sense sense i you know it's understandable they do a lot of it online anyway well then i was i had mentioned i think a couple of weeks ago how i was in making up an account to go pick up groceries at walmart and it had all of my purchases so i asked them about that and they said well anytime you go to a scanner you are getting a full body scan you are getting photos from four different directions this scanner is keeping track of your credit card, everything you buy. And it's also looking into your wallet or purse, tracking all of your identification and credit cards there. So this wonderful little machine is getting everything from you. And then they're watching you through the whole store. Now, my question is, we know that Walmart has the largest computer system in the world. So they're getting all of this information. Who are they giving it to? Why do they need that, right? Well, then I was doing a little more checking. Of the products that Walmart buys, 92% are from China. <laughs> so if the Chinese make an embargo against the United States, you're not going to have anything on the grocery stores in Walmart and probably a lot of other stores. Yeah. So let me let me ask a question here to clarify. So uh, there's no question that all of these retail uh, establishments and not just retail, by the way, hotels do it, too. They're all 
data mining, you know, they, 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 or data gathering, I should say data collection yes. so that yes. it can then be used by, you know, evil forces for data mining. Uh, for example, uh, not to chase uh, too many rabbits here, but, you know, I've talked about this often that when I travel, uh, which we travel extensively, frequently at hotels, when we check in, they'll say, what brings you to town? And they're recording that because they have an arrangement uh, with the government to track people for allegedly for crime fighting forces. And so they want to know, are you on business or pleasure? What, what are you in town for? And I never answer the question, but sometimes they're a little pushy. Usually my first reaction when they say, what brings you to town? I say, well, that's where my hotel was, or this is where my hotel was. And they say, oh, ha ha, you know, are you uh, here on business or pleasure? And I've gotten to where normally I just say, I don't, uh, I'd rather not say, but back in the day, uh, you know, when I was a little bit more bullish, I would say, uh, you know, just to have a little fun, I would say things like, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm author, I'm an author, and I'm going to be working on a story here and, and, and spending a couple of days here writing. And then inevitably, they would say, oh, really, what are you what are you writing about? And I say, oh, I'm writing about hotel clerks who ask questions that are none of their business, you know. And so uh, but they and, and they know they these managers, maybe not the clerks, but the managers, certainly the owners of the hotel know that the purpose of gathering this data is they're providing it or in some cases selling it. So back to the Walmart, are you saying that when you talked about the full body scan, uh, I don't see how anything at the self-checkout can be doing a full body scan. But are you saying that the full body scans that we get, for example, at the airports and other security places, those are all tracked back to our Bitbucket, which is then tied to all of our purchase records? Is that what you're saying? Evidently, that's what they're doing. But at Walmart, next time you go in there, when you're standing by the scanner, look at all the cameras they have above you to the sides of you and behind you. And I mean, the amount of information they're collecting is unbelievable. Right. Uh, I can't believe it's for any good purpose, but we don't know. But I did notice, again, we had no eggs. Milk is in short supply. Bread was in short supply. And it's like, okay, so they're having trouble with supply, or at least what they want to make us believe. But then, you know, this sometimes they'll have their big team meetings right in the middle of an aisle. Well, they were just happened to having having one of those, so I just stopped and listened. Uh, a bunch of the employees got their hours cut. Some of them were notified that they were being laid off, and they're going, we can't make our bills on what you're going to be allowing us to work. And they're going, well, um, that's coming down from corporate, and that's the best we can do. Mm. So I think AI and the robots are getting ready to move in. I don't think it'll be long. You won't see many people at a Walmart. We don't see them at a lot of the McDonald's anymore. Um, I don't know how many million jobs AI is going to affect. But when you go and do checking like I do, it's going to be a bunch. Mm. I mean, Google, Amazon, uh, Best Buy is now closing stores. I mean, where does it stop? You know, pretty soon you're going to pull up and you won't see a human. And it's... It's very disheartening because all of these people are not going to have a job. What are they going to do? You know, are we going to pay them unemployment forever again? Um, the economy's in the tank, and it's just not going to be long before it gets worse. Yeah, they're trying to create, uh, as we've talked about uh, before, a situation where we are totally dependent on the government. They're wanting to, to force us into some universal income system uh, using the digital ID with the tokenized uh, you know, money. Uh, and, and obviously to do that, they have to make us less self-sufficient. Well, what's the first way to do that? Take away your job. You can, it's very difficult to be self-sufficient if you don't have an income. Now you can do it, and you know our forefathers certainly did it. You know they lived off the land. If they wanted to eat, they killed their own food. If they, you know, the, the, everything they did, they didn't, you know, they didn't have a, you know, an income. They didn't have a paycheck that came in every, you know, twice a month. So we can do it, but most people are conditioned that even if they want to be self-sufficient, they got to have an income stream. So that's. Uh, one of the the aspects of destroying the economy is to destroy people's uh, incomes, don't you think? Yes, definitely. But I did know, I doubt if anybody remembers this, but the biggest disappearance of people in the history of the country occurred in April of 1987. Seven million people disappeared overnight. 
because that's when Uncle Sam said, you need a social security number to claim your child. Mm. So, you know, they're they're getting there. They're a little slow on the uptake, but they're getting there. And they're uh, and I had to laugh about that because I remember that at the time. And I'm going, so they're learning. What else are they doing that they're, they're going to pop on us pretty soon? So kind of funny, kind of not funny when you think of how sneaky they are. Yeah. Now, back to Project Gateway. And we've covered that. And I'll have a little bit more for both that and the um, other stuff in a week or two. But I did find out on Project Gateway that they're using different tuning standards for the people that are starting to use this. All right. Most of the time, the music that you'll hear is at 432 hertz. Now, hertz is basically the vibrations of sound per second. But some of the newer songs, especially some of them that are a little more edgy or rap or some of that, are tuned to 440 hertz. Now, you say, well, what big difference does that make? Well, I found a place called guitarworld.com. Go on there and they will show you the difference between the two. With the 432 hertz music being played, it's more peaceful. It's more relaxing. When they do the 440, it's more dissonant. It's more edgy. And so you see how they're experimenting with everything on the mind control portion of Project Gateway and everything else. So I, you know, who knows what they've got going on right now, but I thought that was very interesting because when I sit there and listen to it, I'm going, yeah, I could see how certain people would want one, certain people would want the other. And the difference in feeling that it gave you, I, I see what they're doing. And it's just like MK Ultra, everything else, they're refining it and finding everything they can do to get total control. And they're really doing some pretty amazing stuff, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah, stunning is what I would call. And for those uh, who might not understand the reference to MK Ultra, uh, because I know we're picking up new listeners all the time. Remember, MK Ultra was that CIA mind control program uh, that uh, they ended up having hearings about before Congress. It was widely uh, documented and they admitted it. Uh, but back in the 70s, and a lot of people think it's still going on, but it's essentially how they did experiments unwittingly on human subjects uh, to, you know, to mess with their mind. And it was some of it was purely psychological. Some of it was with these uh, frequencies. Some of it was chemical with drugs that they were giving people without them knowing it. Uh, but yeah, we have a chapter on MK Ultra in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1, if anyone's interested. We, um, I was checking yesterday before going to the uh, service last night, and <clears throat> our government's got a really great idea. If you remember back in 2003, 2004, anybody could get a loan for a mortgage. Well, as this economist was talking, and it's his website, I think, is the Economic Ninja or something like that. He's kind of a strange little guy, but he's, he's on top of stuff. Evidently, starting May 1st, your credit rating doesn't have to be spectacular anymore. You don't have to have a large down payment. They just want to give you a loan because they're going to give it to you for six, six and a half percent, about a half a percent more than if you had a great credit rating. But the banks with the mortgages are in trouble. Their mortgages at two, three, four percent are not making them any money and they're getting in trouble. So they've concocted this, which we've already gone through before. And now you can get a loan, uh, not make the payments like they all did before and cause a crisis in that too, but it kicks it down the road a little further. Now, I invite you to go research all of this stuff after you listen to us, because when you get into it, you can see the trouble the economy is in. For them to do the same thing, which caused the major uh, recession in 2007 and 2008, uh, you would think they would have learned, but they haven't. So here it comes again, just like it was before. Now, to our friends in China. China is very quickly getting to be the place that I worry about the most. Uh, Taiwan 
China. They definitely have their differences in opinion. And we know something's going to go on someday. I don't know how soon, but I think it's pretty quick. Uh, Warren Buffett had purchased $4 billion in semiconductors from TSMC, which is the largest chip maker there just a couple months ago. Last week, he sold it. He said, there's a danger of war, there's a danger of earthquakes, and he just divested himself of all of that stock. Now, Warren Buffett buys stock for the long run. We're talking years, not weeks or months. So that's a concern. Then the Chinese instituted their no-fly zone over the weekend and basically said, nobody's coming in here. And they said it's because one of their missiles was re-entering the atmosphere. Now, nobody ever showed a missile re-entering, but I think what they effectively did was move their aircraft carrier into a different position, which is between Taiwan and the 7th Fleet. They have all of their planes, all of their ships still in there, even though their exercise is over. It makes you believe that they may be getting ready to do something very quickly. Um, you know, and the thing is, it isn't like we don't keep jabbing them. Uh, the United States sent 25 defense contractors there last week, which has to make China wonder what's going on. We're sending them weapons. We are sending them training personnel and advisors. So everything we can do to make China upset, we're doing. We're preventing them from getting the newest chips, which they need to progress their artificial intelligence. And sooner or later, China is going to say enough. Now, I don't know how soon that's going to be, but it gets a little bit more bellicose every week. And then the United States and the Philippines put on one of the largest military exercises in the South China Sea that have ever been done there. Not to mention the United States admits to, well, we have four new bases there too. Hmm. So the Chinese, I look at it like this. If somebody was doing that in the Gulf of Mexico, I think we would be very nervous off the coast of South Carolina. So the Chinese, they definitely have reasons to be where they're at, how they feel. Yeah, you know, the other, the other day, yesterday, in fact, we were driving uh, to town and uh, from our house out here in the woods, and uh, we saw them, some some workers setting up some cones and sort of doing some preparatory work for what was obviously going to be a construction. And sure enough, on our way back in, you know, construction had started and uh, it was a chaos. The roads were shut down. There was detours. It was crazy. So I think as we look around, a lot of the times we're seeing you know, pe troops move into place, exercises taking place. We're seeing the, the cones being set out, and it, it ought to alert us to the fact that some disruption is coming. Uh, we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but something is happening. And, and the big question that I think about uh, often is how much of this is coordinated and how much of it is just, you know, uh, siloed and uh, isolated uh, things. You know, you've got issues, as we've talked about with China, you've got issues with North Korea and South Korea, you've got issues with Iran and uh, Israel, and now Turkey, you know, chiming in on that. You've got obviously the Russia-Ukraine front. So you've got so many different uh, hot spots. Uh, and they're always hot spots at any time in history. I understand that, but usually they're more regional and they're not uh, so wide spread and 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 threatening, you know, some type of global World War Three. So I I you know, with my perspective on the Luciferian conspiracy and the Luciferian elite, I believe a lot of this is. Uh, provocateured. It's something that they are intentionally ginning up to try to provoke the United States or force the United States into some type of uh, response. But I'm with you. I, I think if, you know, what we see happening in the South China Sea certainly should get everyone's attention because some kind of disruption is coming. Well, if they cut off our food supply, they cut off our medications, they cut off our rare earths, they wouldn't even have to fire a missile. We'd all be sitting here starving, unable to medicate ourselves. What would it take 30 days before we'd say, oh, please come back? <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, they just changed their rules on con conscription. They're now, you're going to be coming in early, going to be staying longer. They've also uh, accelerated their um, human organ harvesting. This is China they, you're talking about? Yes. 
they do that from their populace, especially some of the Uyghurs, I believe the Muslims there. Uh, basically, you go in, they take a kidney, you go back out. When they need something else, you go through it again. Now, we'll get into that someday, but their human ar organ harvesting is the most, what do I want to, I don't want to say bizarre, but it's the most, I don't know, disturbing thing I've ever heard. And there's, and by the way, what they do in the open over there is do, is done here on the black market. There is a huge underworld, uh, dark underworld of you know organ harvesting taking place in America. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a surprise. I mean, if you've got the money and you need it, hey, let's do it, right? Now, from the Eurasia Times, and you can check the Taiwan News and some of these publications because they've got a lot of information. The um, Chinese have tested a new ICBM that can penetrate the United States defenses. It's hypersonic, and we won't even know it's there till it hits. And I find that quite disconcerting, along with everything else that's going on. Um, China now has more nuclear warheads and launchers than the United States does. Um, Xi Jinping basically has upped the readiness of his troops. They are fully ready at all times. Mm -hmm. And with what's going on in the Taiwan Straits and the China, South China Sea, uh, the Japanese are getting involved, the South Koreans, the Filipinos, the Australians. It's only a matter of time. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to lose it. And we're going to have a war with China. And that would be the one that would scare me the most, I do believe, mm -hmm. because they're sneaky and they don't care. Once they start a war, they're going to win it. And so that's something to look forward to probably in just a few months. The Russians have also changed their conscription methods. Now it's done by email. If you don't immediately respond to the email, then they cut off your credit, your cash, your ability to drive, leave the house, etc. They're trying to put on another half a million soldiers. And my question is, Ukraine is going to be wrapped up shortly. They still think they need all these additional troops. So Ukraine is threatening um, counteroffensive against Crimea, uh, 30,000 troops against 350 to 500,000, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But Russia said, if you attack Crimea, we go nuclear. Now, that would take all the incentive away from me as a commander to do anything like that. But we keep pushing them. We keep giving them money. We keep giving them everything they're going to need, saying, yes, you can win. Something's going to happen. This should have never happened. Now, whether it's an EMP, it's cyber, it's kinetic, who knows? But it is going to happen. The, um, the NATO people are getting sick of it. France basically wants no more war. They are starting to trade directly with China in the Chinese yuan, and they're just disregarding the United States. They are selling off our bonds. And Macron is just basically saying, hey, you know, we're kind of an ally, but we got to watch out for ourselves. Germany will be doing the exact same thing here very shortly because Xi Jinping said, we are sure that Germany will support a one nation China. So they've evidently already talked about it. Germany will not respond if Taiwan is attacked. Hungary says, hey, we were the first ones to sign up for the Belt Road Initiative because we want trade coming back and forth between China and Europe because that's how we're going to thrive. And they basically told the Americans, we're not going to attack Taiwan. We're not going to be giving anything else to attack Ukraine. And, you know, that's three members of NATO. Then we have the Turkish, who basically are divorcing themselves of NATO so fast it makes your head spin. They came out a week ago and said, Israel needs to cease to exist, which, as we said last week, puts all the Gog Magog countries in that alliance together. They are now complete. Doesn't mean they're going to start anything now, but that unholy alliance is fully ready to go. Yeah, yeah, and you know all of these little incidents you just talked about in your you know your list here, these isolated things, uh, they're not really all that isolated. What what the globalists are trying to do is to get 
nations organically to sort of, you know, cover their own rear ends. You know, they're, they're, they're recognizing that, you know, they can't hitch their wagons to NATO. They can't hitch their wagons to the United States, certainly. And so it's going to make it easier for them to jump on board the one world government. So they're systematically, uh, you know, provoking these nations to, you know, look out for themselves. And I see that really as a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on an individual level. I think when chaos happens here in America, when some unfreezing event happens, whether it's, you know, economic or natural disaster or some pandemic or something, when the next, when the next thing happens, I think people are going to you know, react in the same way that some of these nation states are, which is they're going to look out for themselves and they're going to say, oh, I've got to sign on to the digital ID if I'm going to protect myself or I've got to get this you know, death shot if I'm going to protect myself. They're going to use fear to sort of force people. It's, it's almost like a I'm trying to think of the right word, a prompted organic reaction or a provoked organic reaction. It's it's organic in the sense that people are actually choosing to make decisions. They're not being forced at gunpoint, but yet it's, you know, it's the Hegelian dialectic. They're sort of, you know, causing us to make a predictable response by, you know, setting the stage accordingly. So, you know, I just, I feel like, you know, we're seeing whether you know it's it's i don't think it's monolithic i don't think it's one person up there pulling the strings you know klaus schwab or somebody like that but i think i see, i clearly see satan's hand in all of this and setting the stage for what's going to happen both in the united states and uh and and globally is that kind of the way you would interpret all of these isolated yes, incidents? yeah i mean uh, no longer do we have four independent theaters of war they are located different places but this, this is all going to take place at the same time. I mean, Xi Jinping has his forces in the Pacific on alert. The Russians just moved their fleet into the Pacific for an exercise, which we know what that means. And the thing is, Putin has met with Xi Jinping and with the defense minister of China. Now, I don't think they got together for tea and crumpets. I think their plan is as soon as Russia is done with the Ukraine, which will be shortly, I think they will unite, and that's probably when we're going to see some fireworks. The BRICS nations, there are more nations every week. They have a huge supply of gold behind them. Um, they have their big meeting in June, and they want their currency out by August, and that is really going to put the United States on the mark if we can maintain the reserve dollar status, which I don't think we can, but we'll see. There are a lot of differing opinions, and this may be a slow process. This could be a quick process, but there was um, Project Icebreaker, which we don't ever get to know this stuff till afterwards, but Israel, Norway, and Sweden went to the IMF and World Bank and said, hey, we, you know, we don't necessarily want to use American dollars. We'd like to use our currency. And of course, the World Bank and IMF said, hey, we'll be the clearinghouse for you, just like we will be for the BRICS nations. So the IMF and World Bank will get this money in. They will do their settlements like they do now through the SWIFT system. And it's really not going to be much of a change, except nobody wants the U.S. dollar. Uh, Mr. Biden has pretty much alienated everybody, uh, calling them names, forcing them to do things. Uh, let's face it, the United States is no longer respected anywhere in the world. And it's going to get worse and it's going to come to a head very shortly. Yeah, back now, back to the digital currency real quick. Um, yes. I don't know. I think we talked about this. Uh, I don't remember what context or maybe I, I brought it up in a separate uh, conference or, or message. But the, the DCMA, which is the uh, Digital Currency Monetary, Monetary Authority, it's uh, – uh, you know, according to their own uh, press release, they define themselves as a world leader in the advocacy of digital currency and monetary policy innovations for governments and central banks. Membership within the DCMA consists of nation states, central banks, commercial and retail banks, and other financial institutions. Well, about a week ago, uh, they came out and announced that they're launching the Unicoin, their own universal monetary unit, 
which all of the world's banks and commercial banks will be able to use for settlements to trade among each other. Uh, so it was at the IMF uh, spring meeting. Uh, so that was about uh, nine days ago, to be exact, now that I see the date. Uh, so I mean, this is something that's, you know, huge news. I mean, the DCMA is a major player in that banking uh, realm, and it's it's essentially the en- endorsement that is needed by uh, the globalists to, to kind of move forward. So all the pieces are falling into place for some type of initial rollout of, you know, this digital currency uh, sometime this summer. Now, I still believe that in order to justify that in the minds of uh, you know the american people they're going to have to have some crisis that for which the digital currency is the solution or you know the answer um so i i look for them to roll it out and there'll be some early adopters and some low-hanging fruit but i think to really make it become the new standard of you know transactional exchange they're going to have to have some type of a crisis, some world crisis, and uh, you know the United States, you know, is going to be feel like we're forced into signing on to save our country. Which, of course, it won't be. It'll be selling our country down the river. Yes, and you made a good point in one of your sermons. You're not going to lose your salvation by taking the CBDC and using that system. Now, once you're in their columns, you're never going to get out of it. Well, and well, like first we of said, all. I think I, I like to think I make more than one good point in my sermons, but uh, Usually but also, I, yes. I want to clarify uh, nothing you can do can cause you to lose your salvation. Uh, when Christ said he gives you eternal life, he meant it and you can take it to the bank. He is uh, he means what he says. And so our eternal life is secure the moment we place our faith in Christ. It's not contingent. It's not uh, some type of contract where we have to keep our end of the bargain or otherwise God takes it away. If he could take away our eternal life, it was never eternal to begin with. So, uh, but yeah, I think what you're referring to is my comment that, look, I would never sign on to the digital ID, uh, which is what they're going to need to roll out the digital currency. Uh, I think it's a line in the sand. Nobody should do it. But it's certainly not a matter of, you know, you know, eternal destiny or something like that. It's something that it's pe- people are going to have to make some tough choices because like they did with the vaccine, it, it, you know, you may be forced into it, but I would encourage people to resist it come what may. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, it's going to be tough for the elderly on social security, Medicare, Medicaid, unemployment, because this will be your only choice. And they're going to they're going to experiment with us, make it tough on us, kind of show everybody else why this is why you should have done it. But, you know, we'll wait and see how that works out um, now under everybody's favorite subject, AI. I personally wish that they would have never developed this. It is out of control. They don't know how it talks to itself. They don't know how it runs. All they know is it's working 24 seven. And it's so far ahead of even where they understand where it's at that they're totally confused. They said the other day they'd like to have a six-month moratorium to figure it out. The people in Congress came out yesterday yesterday and said, we don't know anything about it. Well, now, I know we're all surprised about that. But I think six months probably is not near long enough. And I don't think the Chinese and the Russians would stand for any of it. As you and I talked yesterday, there was an AI unit that cloned a girl's voice and then set up a kidnapping case where it demanded a million-dollar payment. Now, it's created its own malware. This thing is out of control. It uh, can talk to other computers. They don't know how. And what we're doing, when you have supercomputers that can do 50 quadrillion bits a second, we have no idea where these machines truly are, but they do suggest one thing. If you want to partake on it, in it, whatever, that's fine. Do not hook it up to your internet system where you've got everything else on. Do not let it have access to your radios, your refrigerator, anything, because it will take over and you will never get it off. Mm. Um, the problem they're finding is once it's embedded, you can't get it out. Now, I don't know what kind of a genius started this and didn't foresee some of this, 
But when Elon Musk comes out and says it's out of control, it needs to be stopped for a while. Well, you know, Elon's that is good and is bad. But you got to wonder how much he knows more than what we do. Uh, Bob Moriarty, um, very famous man. Um, I watched him the other night. He said, we will have 50 years of change in the next six months mm. because of AI, because of the digital currency. He said, get ready, be prepped, have your food and everything else because there will be no food. There will be no transportation. And AI is going to take over, and we know they're not going to use it for good purposes. Now, when somebody like him talks, I listen. Yeah. Because he's been around for a long time. Yeah. And he's not alone, obviously. Others are saying the same things, other experts. But uh, I want to go back to Elon Musk. I, I just I want to encourage people to be very, very, very cautious with that guy. I mean, I've been saying this for forever. Uh, and it's amazing to me how many conservative Christians are jumping on the Elon Musk bandwagon. The guy is a Satan worshiper. He's a transhumanist. He may say some things that resonate with us because he's kind of a loose cannon. Uh, and, and certainly when we agree with him, nothing wrong with agreeing with him. But he is not on our side, guys. He is not. He is a he's not part of the resistance, even though I, I got someone emailed me and, and said that uh, recently. So be very leery of him. He's being uh, propped up now in the controlled opposition framework to try to, you know, in the same way Bill Maher is, you know, they're putting these guys on Fox News and making them sound like, you know, things that resonate with us. And they do. Some of the things they say do resonate with us, but he is not on our side. He is further advancing uh, this agenda with things like Neuralink, the brain-computer interface, uh, you know, the satellite systems. He's a transhumanist, so just to be very leery of Elon Musk. And as far as Bill Maher goes, anytime Bill Maher starts to make sense, be afraid, be very afraid, because that guy's so far out there up until about six months ago, you didn't know what he was for sure. Now he's Starting to sound sensible. That really, that creeps me out. That really does. Now, the last thing I have for this morning, this is uh, kind of an unusual thing, but I got it out of Breitbart and did a little bit of um, research on it. There was a name, uh, boy, 17-year-old boy, I believe, by the name of Sammy Burks. He's out rock climbing with his family in Texas. He got to the top of the wall and all of a sudden collapsed. Heart stopped. Um, they took him down, got him down, started CPR, and they kept CPR up for two hours. Now, working fire EMS, I can tell you what, we never went over 45 minutes because the general consensus back then was they're gone. Now, they found out that he has a rare condition that his mother has, and um, there are other people with that. So if you ever get into the position of doing CPR and you start it, don't stop it until you actually have a doctor examine the patient, okay? There are two things in CPR that you have to remember. You have clinical death, which occurs immediately upon cessation of breathing. You have biological death that occurs in four to six minutes. Now, from my experience and talking to some of the people that were brought back, that four to six, well, actually from the up to the six minutes, a lot of them would state that they could hear you. They knew what you were saying, which means there's still brain activity there and they're not gone. I mean, the brain will, of course, because of hypoxia, start dying after that. But it made me wonder. If you have somebody that's not a Christian, they go into cardiac arrest and you've got somebody to do CPR, would it or would it not be beneficial to pray right beside them out loud so they could hear that? Now, this is just a theory, but I'm going, if there's somebody on the line and you're praying for them, would it make a difference? I mean, would it hurt to try? I mean, yeah. it's kind of like pulling out all the stops, but I say Let's try it. No, of course. And and by the way, I saw that story just amazing. Two hours, you know, and there've been other stories too. I read another one. I can't remember where it was just recently. It was in the news about uh, a body that was delivered to the morgue in the hospital. And as they were just beginning to take it out of the bag and, and start the, you know, 
process there, it woke up. So, I mean, it, this kind of stuff is, is happening. Um, but absolutely, you should, you know, when someone uh, is non-responsive, you can pray for them. Obviously, prayer always works, and it's always should be our first line of defense. But not only that, as you're praying and talking, share the gospel, because if they can hear you, they might be able to believe the gospel, and you don't know it. Remember, you don't have to say a prayer to be saved. You don't have to walk an aisle, sign a card, raise a hand. Uh, the Bible universally says that eternal salvation is by faith alone, from Genesis to Revelation. So who's to say, while, while that person may seem unresponsive, if, as Randy says, they can hear you, then uh, you know they might respond in the privacy of their own heart and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And by the way, Randy, is, I don't know if all of you know this, but in addition to being a private detective, he's also an EMT, so he knows uh, knows about this kind of stuff. Well, Randy, uh, thank you so much. Uh, any any other closing thoughts before we wrap up for today? Well, I want everybody to understand we gave him a break today. We're going to start on the really good stuff again next week, but I thought maybe their brains would like a little bit of a breather. So next week we're going into bizarre land. Again. Well, if this was a break, I'd hate to, I'd hate to see what bizarre land looks like. Let me tell you. So <laughs> yeah. I want to close out by going back to something I said a moment ago, because I just have the sense that that probably triggered a, uh, quite a negative reaction. And I want to explain what I mean when I talk about uh, these uh, Luciferians being Satan worshipers. And I, and I mentioned this passage last night in Prophecy Night, so I encourage you to go back and watch that video. Some pretty powerful stuff last night as we talked about the Luciferian conspiracy from the spiritual unseen realm uh, aspect. But Jesus said uh, that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And he goes on to say, if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? This is Luke 11. And remember, Satan has a kingdom, and God has a kingdom. And, uh, you know, Satan's kingdom is in opposition to God's kingdom, and Satan uses demons, as Jesus is talking about here in this passage, to accomplish that. But he goes on to say, uh, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in, in peace. But when a stronger than him, one, one stronger than him comes upon him and overcomes him and takes from him his armor— in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Uh, he who is not with me, this is the passage, the key verse, he who is not with me is against me, and he who, is not, uh, he who does not gather with me scatters. And I'm here to tell you that uh, Elon Musk is a scatterer. He is against the Lord, the things of the Word. He is part of this Luciferian conspiracy, and that, that's what I mean. So uh, again, doesn't mean he's He's wrong on everything he says. You know, we, if we're honest, intellectually honest, even the most abhorrent of, uh, you know, globalists and, and people are going to say things that are accurate sometimes. But we have been so conditioned in this false left right paradigm to think, you know, Fox News good, CNN bad, Republican good, Democrat bad, that we have no discernment. And anybody that, you know, appears on conservative stations, we just assume, oh, they must be good. And we don't have the the ability to, uh, you know, to nuance it and to, to really, you know, dissect it. And that's why, you know, people, when Obama's in the office, everything Obama does is horrible, horrible, horrible. Look, Obama was a pawn in the game. He was a Manchurian candidate. But that doesn't mean every single thing he did was was bad for the country, uh, maybe 99.9% .9 of it, but I'm just trying to be intellectually honest here. And uh, so, you know, we need to we need to think in those terms, but there is no question that Elon Musk is not a soldier in God's kingdom. He is a soldier in Satan's kingdom, and people need to recognize that. So uh, just, you know, a reminder to that, uh, you know, Proverbs 19, the passage we started out uh, looking at that the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart is fretting against the Lord. Uh, don't be one of those uh, fools who is, you know, raging against the Lord, who is, you know, trying to uh, act without thinking. Think things through. Uh, use the Word of God as the grid to validate and invalidate truth claims. And, uh, you know, let the Bible speak where it speaks. Let the Bible be silent where it is silent. But the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is encouraging to us. And, you know, one of my favorite verses that I come back to again and again when people are really struggling or hurting is Isaiah 26.3. 
God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. So keep your mind on the Lord. Set your mind on things above, as Paul said. Uh, remember that your citizenship is in heaven. Uh, we're just passing through this old earth. Uh, we do have to navigate these unsettling times. That's why we have programs like this one uh, and books like Spirit of the Antichrist, because you know you need to know what's what's really happening and, and see uh, with you know eyes wide open. As I've said, Paul reminds us that we do not need to be asleep. We need to be awake, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So I hope today's program was uh, uh, enlightening to some extent, but also want to always drive you back to the Word of God. And if we can ever do anything for you, please feel free to reach out. You can uh, reach me at our website, or you can talk to our operations manager, Brooke, as well, uh, if we can help you with anything. We did recently, by the way, post our 12-page uh, you know, preparedness guide that we've put together first years ago as a family, and then we've tweaked it through the years. Uh, it's nothing particularly profound. I mean, there are you know whole books that you can buy out there that have detailed information about how to come up with a preparedness plan. But this is a helpful resource. It, it maybe causes you to think about some things you haven't thought about before, a list of resources to have, food items, plans to make, considerations. Uh, we've uh, been offering that for years, and uh, we finally have become so overwhelmed with emails for people requesting it that we just went ahead and posted it on our website. So if you go to notbyworks.org and scroll through the highlight carousel, I think it's about seven or eight uh, panels in. You'll see it as you scroll through there. You can just click on it, and it will download it right to your uh, device or computer. Uh, so no need to email us for that. Uh, any longer. Uh, of course, we welcome your emails. Uh, we're here to, to serve, but we just want to make it a little bit more accessible. So spread the word. Let people know that it's out there, and hopefully that'll be helpful for you as well. Well, thank you guys uh, for listening. Until next time, we uh, wish you the best. And uh, again, uh, thanks for, for all that you do to encourage us. Thanks for the encouraging emails. We do uh, appreciate and need your continued support, especially in times like these. So God bless you, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time.